0: Welcome to Conversations with Leaders. I'm Jake Burns, an enterprise strategist with AWS. Today I sit down with Lindsay Pearson, the VP of Franchise Creative for The Sims at Electronic Arts, Inc. The Sims franchise is a pioneer in inclusion and diversity in the gaming industry. Listen in to hear how she has grown her team and organization to continue breaking down barriers, how she's handled the struggles and learnings along the way, and what she is focused on as The Sims continue to evolve. Lindsay, welcome to the podcast.
1: Thanks, thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to be here.
0: Can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your background and your role at EA?
1: Sure, absolutely. So I joined EA almost 19 years ago now, actually, to work on The Sims. And I started in quality assurance, um, started testing out games, testing The Sims. And I've since then taken on a lot of different roles throughout production and design, um, all all while working on my favorite franchise. And now I am the uh, VP of Franchise Creative, which means day to day, I get to think about how The Sims shows up in the world, where we go, who we partner with, and how to continue growing The Sims to keep being one of the most influential uh, franchises out there in gaming.
0: So Lindsay, the Sims franchise has been a pioneer in in-game diversity and inclusion. Was this part of the conversation since the beginning?
1: Yeah, something that was really important to the Sims from the very, very get-go is letting you really create yourself or people that you know and, and tell stories about these little characters living in this world. And to, to do that and, and think about that at the core is has motivated us for years to keep pushing forward on how we make that representation even more meaningful and let even more people tell more stories.
0: Right, and um, why is this important? You know, um, as I understand it, you give the uh, players opportunity to select character identities based off over hundred skin tones, body shapes and sizes, tones of voice. Why is this important?
1: Well, The Sims is a really unique experience in that you are creating the story, creating the world and creating the little people that live in it. And we find that to really connect with those little Sims and those little characters, the more they can feel identifiable or relatable. Again, maybe it's a celebrity that you love or your best friend or your family. It just is that immediate connection and uh, that lets you really get invested in their story right from the beginning. And then you feel like, oh, what can I what can I do with this? Where should I take it? Um I think some of the things that I've loved about The Sims over the years is people feel this inherent connection to these little characters because they are able to recreate things that matter to them, whether that is my, uh, maybe it's my grandmother that I lost. That was a story shared a number of years ago, or my best friend that lives far away from me. I can put that in the game with a character that also looks kind of like me. And now our little Sim selves can live out New adventures and new activities. Um, so it's just it's this immediate connection with these little these little people that you want to start taking care of and nurturing.
0: So keeping this in mind, um, trying to uh, continue to represent all of the cultures across the world, um, how, how have you been able to scale this?
1: Well, The Sims has become such a worldwide phenomenon. We are, gosh, we exist now in at least nineteen different languages. So we're shipped all over the place and. What that has meant is this incredible opportunity to further realize different cultures, different backgrounds, different locations in the game experience. And again, further provide tools to our players to tell more global stories or more um, relatable stories from their own personal backgrounds. So we see it more as an opportunity than a challenge, because it just means there's so much more that we could pursue and continue to try and find ways to integrate into the experience.
0: Right. And um, you know, like everything, I'm sure you don't always get it right the first time. What kind of feedback have you received from um, from people in terms of these kind of uh, changes? Um,
1: well, something I've really appreciated about working on The Sims is we have such a constructive and collaborative audience. They are so creative and, and so willing to share their opinions with us. So what it has meant in our journey to be more inclusive is that it is this ongoing conversation and our players will be the first to tell us if we haven't done it quite right or where we could do it better. And that's actually a amazing resource for us to be able to say, okay, we hear you. What do you think might feel better? How could we push forward here? Or let's go do some more homework with uh, more of our internal resources or more of our partners to figure out how to put something out there that, that might feel more authentic or like a better representation of something that our players are are pointing out and talking about with us. And that conversation is so so encouraging because it means that they understand that we're committed to this just as much as they want to see it. And it's a chance for us to continue to like push forward and show progress as opposed to perfection. Right. We're going to make mistakes, but let's let's admit that we're learning and let's try and get it right the next time.
0: Yeah. Right. Can you tell us a little bit more about uh, your partnership with the Asian Pacific Islanders to ensure that they were correctly represented?
1: So when we think about uh, something that we want to represent, a new experience or a new culture, uh, one of the best places to start is by asking experts, right? How can we help do this authentically? What are the pieces of this story that we could bring to life in in the right way in The Sims? And so internally, um, EA actually has a lot of employee resource groups that we can reach out to. A recent example was our Asian Pacific Islanders represent group. We reached out to about a pack that we were doing that was inspired by Asian Pacific Islands. And we said, hey, we really want to make this feel relatable and believable. We're not trying to recreate any specific place, but what are some of those iconic objects or moments or cultural activities that would really help make it feel real? And that group was able to collaborate with us and say, ooh, this piece here, these little chickens running around the island, that's actually really cool. Like keep that or actually add this little, um, this piece, uh, there was a fork and spoon sculpture that they said was just super iconic in a lot of kitchens that they grew up in. So they're like, that'd be a great touch. And it was just this wonderful back and forth collaboration with an, a group of internal employees who were invested in, again, making this experience feel real, feel authentic. And we were able to bring a lot of those details to life. Um, what was super rewarding was that our players then felt that and said, oh, gosh, I had that in my grandma's house or oh, no, I love that thing. And it just feels so satisfying when you're when you're able to get to that piece that just connects with someone.
0: Right. It's going beyond diversity at this point. It's going into kind of like hyper um, realistic, authentic experiences.
1: Well, told through a Sims lens still, right? So you still get this little filter of like, they live in a little different world and they have a different take on things, but they are... Uh, there are these elements you can point to that feel familiar.
0: Uh, that's incredible. Tell us a little bit about how you and your team are using technology to make all of this happen and how AWS is helping with that.
1: We don't have to do a lot of the hard, uh, heavy lifting in the back, so we can focus on how do we bring the experiences to our players and how do we help uh, foster that conversation with them. I think that's a big advantage in in technology really unlocks the ability for us to talk about the abstract pieces of design and experience, which is um, so powerful. That's how it all comes to life. Right.
0: Right. So, um, you know, our, our audience is, um, you know, uh, mostly leaders um, and aspiring leaders. Um, I'm sure they're curious to know kind of how, how do you lead through a change like this? And how do you ensure that they don't become complacent over time?
1: Yeah, it is definitely a cultural commitment to bring diversity and inclusion into every conversation. It is not easy by any stretch, and it is a muscle that requires practice and requires constant use to get a team uh, comfortable with. So we have had a bit of an advantage being that this has been so critical for The Sims for so long that part of our studio cultural values is about inclusion and diversity from the get-go. Our our product pillars, um, as we even think about any new experience, uh, put this at the forefront. So we, anybody joining our team knows right away this is an important important element of our experiences. But in terms of how we bring that to life, like what does that mean day to day, you actually have to you have to model those uncomfortable conversations for your team. You have to amplify the voices who are brave enough to speak up and counter, counter someone. Um, you have to admit when you've made a mistake. You have to be willing to say, hey, guys, we misstepped here and here's what we learned from it. Here's how we found out. Here's who we talked to. Here's what we're going to do going forward. And you have to complete those loops regularly so that everybody recognizes this is important and... Everyone feels a little bit more comfortable day by day of being that person that speaks up and says, hey, something about this might not be in line with what we're going after.
0: Yeah. And I think that's one of the one of the hardest things about being a leader is, uh, you know, creating a culture where people feel comfortable, um, you -hmm. know, disagreeing uh, with with not just the leader, but with others on the team. I know, um, you know, I've struggled with that in the past, getting getting uh, people feel that comfortable. Um, A lot of uh, leaders I talk to feel the same way. Um, I wonder if we could kind of dive a little deeper on that, because this is such an important topic, um, you know, for for everything that we try to accomplish um, as leaders. So what does it take to make the team have that level of comfort?
1: Well, there's a couple things. I think there's a lot of training that has to start in saying, you know, not every piece of feedback can be acted on, but every piece of feedback can be reacted to. So, you know, you you have to get used to saying – please bring bring up that feedback to whoever you feel comfortable. Start small, right? It may be that a um, designer doesn't want to talk to the leader of the team yet, but maybe they're willing to talk to the art director because they're good friends or they'll talk to their creative director, right? Find those channels and then find someone to help you share that message or talk you through context that maybe you don't have. And um, that's repetition for sure, right? Continue to reinforce the team. Hey, we're going this way and we care about these things. But if you disagree or you see something that jumps out at you, please please talk to us um and it starts with small things we had um a feature that we'd added with this big bonfire and your sims were able to throw whatever they wanted into the bonfire because it's just very simsy whatever they were carrying around in their fake pocket they could throw in the bonfire because that's what people do. Um, we had a tester uh, in our localization team. So one of our testers from Europe uh, said, hey, you may not want to let them throw books in the fire. That's pretty sensitive in, in some areas. And we were like, that's a super valid point. Thank you for pointing it out. And we changed that from the interactions. That was just a tester who wrote it as a bug, but we shared it with the team and said, hey, this is a great example of one of our one of our partners in a different territory pointed out something we didn't think about. And here's what we did about it. So it's just that was a good, easy example to say, okay, this is the little kind of feedback you can give us that we can iterate on quickly. And the more you do that, even on the small scale, the easier it is to have the bigger, scarier conversations.
0: So I'm just curious, because this is such an important issue, you know, getting people to speak up, you know, at Amazon, we have our leadership principle, you know, have backbone, disagree and commit, right? The idea is, you know, people, you know, incentivizing and encouraging people to speak up, but then at the end of the day, once a decision is made, everyone has to move in the same direction in order for us to move, make progress, right? So, um, you know, is there a similar kind of uh, mechanism that you have uh, at EA? And also, like, how, not only getting people comfortable speaking up, but how do we incentivize people to speak up? Because, you know, and, and as evidenced by these examples you're giving, sometimes the best ideas come from these people who speak up. And, and I suspect that most of the time they don't. So how do we encourage that behavior?
1: No, I think that's a very very important question and it is it is really difficult as a as a team to get to a place where you feel like all of that can be shared all the time because it can feel like you're then constantly being barraged by feedback that's irreconcilable, right? Like, how can I do all of it at one time? How can I make this all fit together? Um, So something that we talk about a lot that we come back to is we always try to provide the context, go back to our core goals, our core objectives. Like, what is this trying to accomplish? We can't fix everything in every experience or every pack, right? In terms of how we continue to get people to speak up, I think that works much better in microcosms than in a big, big arena, right? I mean, you can be a leader in a team meeting with 200 people and say that as much as you want. Hardly anybody speaks up in a meeting of 200 people for anything, (laughs) whether it's controversial or not. It's hard. So you find... We have found a lot more success in making that smaller, um, whether that is a particular group of people working on a specific feature or a specific asset or a specific trailer and saying, hey, you're now in a group of about seven. Could you at least share feedback there, right? Like, let's make those groups feel comfortable. And then that can get passed up through the big chain and we can share the output of it. But it takes the pressure off the individual having to be one voice out of 100-some voices, right?
0: That's such a great point, you know, and I found that to be so effective. You made two points there that I I really like. One is, you know, um, taking the time to articulate the why, you know, because people just, it seems so obvious, but, you know, uh, it's still a problem uh, with a a lot of leaders is really explaining the motivation and the reasons behind the decisions, you know, and I've found personally that people, um, it's so much easier to get buy-in when they know why, even if they don't agree with the why, at least they understand why they're doing it. Yes, and secondly, that, that, the, the size of the, uh, the audience. Um, you know, I've even gone so far as going one on one with people and asking for feedback. And it's amazing to me how much feedback that I've gotten one on one with folks who are in small groups, um, from people who are just never, never raised their hand, uh, in the larger group. So I think that's, uh, that's very uh, pertinent advice that's, uh, that could be useful to some people who aren't, who aren't utilizing that. So great, great ideas. Mm-hmm. Um, so just about everybody out there is, you know, working on diversity in their, in their workforce and in their teams. Um, you're talking a lot about diversity within, within the Sims, which I think is, is really interesting and unique here. Yes. I'm wondering, is there any lessons learned from that? Or, you know, has there been any kind of spillover into your team in terms of diversity from this focus that you've had uh, working on the game?
1: Well, certainly it's, it's, Become very clear working through The Sims as we're trying to create a game that reflects life, you need a breadth of lived experiences to be able to do that authentically. Now, we can certainly talk to lots of partners, and we do, and there's partners inside EA or outside EA even, but the more you can continue to bring that into your teams, whether they're making a game or any kind of product, honestly, just the the easier it is for those conversations to happen more naturally. Uh, we had a pack recently about um, going off to college and university, and we were able to pull together a lot of folks from our team who'd grown up in different parts of the world to talk about commonalities and differences of that college and university experience all around the world. So being able to have the breadth of experience and backgrounds directly in your teams is just a shortcut to being able to make sure that you're getting more rounded feedback and more, um, again, for us at least, more lived experiences like, oh, oh, that's not like, that's not what I did as a kid growing up. Here's how I did that. Or here's what college meant for me. Or, you know, just it's a shortcut to those conversations. You can absolutely supplement that with external resources, whether it's a bigger part of your company or even your friends in other places, or, you know, uh, hiring actual consultants and experts. You can do all of those things as well. But the more you can just bring it straight into your team and into your groups, the better off you are to at least start that conversation.
0: Yeah, it seems like almost... um like an unfair shortcut that you have.
1: <laughs> well, it's it's yeah, it 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 does sometimes, but it still takes a lot of commitment. We have to make sure that when we are interviewing people, we are checking to make sure we're not trying to just find people who think exactly like us. You have to purposefully look for people who will challenge the way that you think and challenge the way that you might approach a design or a feature or even technology, right? Look for those voices that will counteract because that's where the best magic comes from is when you're getting these counterpoint of views and these differences of opinion that you get to put all together and say, oh yeah, this is better now that we've actually looked at it from all these different angles. I, we have said multiple times that if you're, if you're pitching something and everybody around you is like, oh yeah, that seems awesome. Like you probably need to bring in some other voices to challenge and say, actually it could be better or it could be different.
0: Right. Right. So I think that's, that's something that doesn't get talked about enough really is the diversity of opinions, right. And the diversity of, of, of beliefs, Mm -hmm. not just, um, kind of traditional diversity attributes. Right. So do you have people that come in that maybe, um, disagree with, you know, the level of diversity? Is there too much? Could there be possibly too much diversity? Do you have, you know, overrepresented groups uh, ever speak up? I'm just wondering if, if you've ever had those kind of disagree moments.
1: You know, it's an interesting one, because fundamentally, like you definitely run into those walls at some points where you're like, okay, are are we have we done enough? How, how much further do we have to go? And I have actually found and I think back to what I mentioned at the upfront, like it's such a part of our culture that I have certainly found within developing the Sims that hasn't come up so much as how do we keep pushing further? Like it definitely, we bring in new voices to say, Hey, here's this whole arena you haven't even talked about yet, or here's this whole area you haven't considered, or, Hey, love what you did in this part, but we could do so much more. Um, so I haven't yet run into too many people kind of counter, counteracting that. Um, but uh that I could see that that definitely is a challenge. And what I what I would say to anybody who is sort of hitting hitting back saying, "Okay, I feel like we've done enough. Let's focus on something else." If you are not focused on inclusion and diversity in your products, you're really just limiting yourself from who might want to engage with your product or your experience because they're out there. There's lots of people who want to be part of whatever it is you're offering, and you may be missing a beat by not acknowledging that you're not connecting with them in some way. So, I, I'm lucky we haven't run into that, but that'd be my counter is you're just you're just kind of blocking yourself into a corner if you don't want to do more of this.
0: Right. It sounds like as long as you're um, empowering people to have more choice, then it's really hard to to over index on any of it.
1: Yeah. I think the bigger problem is the challenge of perfection versus progress. Right. Um, the idea that, oh, no, we can't do everything, so we can't do it at all. And that is definitely one we have to combat, which is uh, which is definitely difficult. I think. um we did a few years ago, we modified our create a sim to include more gender fluid options. You could actually change your character's um, gender with a lot more flexibility than you ever had before. It was an amazingly powerful, a great first for the sim, but immediately opened up this conversation about pronouns. And pronouns has been a challenge. I mentioned we're in 17, 18 different countries, and it has been a struggle to say, hey, how do we reconcile this in countries where that language doesn't even exist. And so we've been going back to saying, okay, maybe we can't hit all 18 right away, but where could we start? Where do we think we could at least move forward and show that we want to make a, make a difference and make a statement here, even if we can't do everything all at one time? So I'd say that's probably the thing we run into more is, oh no, we can't do all of it. So where do we begin? And it's, it is hard to feel like you can still just take baby steps when you really want to go all the way there.
0: Right. Of course. Yeah. And the way you get all the way there is one step at a time. Right. So it's kind of
1: right, right. the only way.
0: Um, so we've talked a lot about the Sims um, and this is fascinating. I think it's actually one of the kind of best kind of platforms to talk about this subject of diversity. Well, now that I think about it, now that we're talking about it, right, it's really interesting because <laughs> you could kind of run experiments within the Sims that are kind of applicable to to life itself. Right. Mm-hmm. Very fascinating. Uh, I'm curious though, um, other divisions of EA, how are they um, driving inclusivity uh, into their games?
1: Well, I've been very proud of EA putting this at the forefront of so many of our development conversations, actually, across our games and across our experiences. It started a number of years ago that EA really invested in pulling together um, some initial resources, some initial guidelines, and some questions for us to start asking ourselves as team members. Um, I was actually part of the founding group which created. Uh, what we called at the time, something called the inclusion framework, which was a simple series of questions that we wanted teams to start asking early on in development to better inform uh, the representation of authentic stories and, and the characters they were putting in their games. Since then, it has grown into actually this group we have that is all about inclusive player experiences, that expands beyond just the design of a game, but even into how accessible the game is, how we're talking about the game, how we are um, even recruiting people to get to EA. Like we think about it much more broadly. And um, what has happened is the tone of the conversations has changed dramatically across a lot of our development teams. In in the past, where a team might have been comfortable saying, okay, I'm just going to Google this pattern from, you know, China and assume it's fine. Now they actually do a lot of homework and say, hey, let's go find a consultant or an expert to help us really flesh out this backstory from this character who needs to be Cuban. Or um, let's go find somebody to help us build this place that's inspired by uh, somewhere in Norway. Like, let's do the homework. And it's become... It's been really refreshing because it means so many more teams are talking to each other to find expertise. We're sharing so much more of like the research that we have found. Uh, we've actually connected with our communities in a lot of ways because you can say, oh, I heard this team did homework in this area. Let's talk to some of their folks. So it's um, it's really become something that a lot of the teams are spending time on to get right from the beginning which is the right time to do it right you can't you can't add it at the end that's where you get into like checkbox territory right. <laughs> but if you start from the beginning and say hey my story is very authentically about this person in this authentic place then it will cascade all throughout your development. And that group, that inclusive player experiences group actually has started to work even with our core tech platforms and our core um like community to say how do we bring this into more than just our games but actually into how we're managing our our communities, our tools and our platforms, which has which has been really exciting as well. So it's become it's become this It's becoming more normal, and everybody's just used to talking about it, but it's exciting to see it at the forefront of so much more of our conversation.
0: Right. And it seems like you'd be in a position to kind of lead, to some extent, efforts within EA. Uh, with The Sims, again, to my earlier point about it being like this excellent platform to experiment and try these things, um, has has your team kind of taken a leadership role within the company for that?
1: We definitely on The Sims feel a sense of responsibility that we are most easily positioned to do exactly as you say, test a lot of these things, and our game is so set up for um, so much of this type of content that uh, we we feel that. Pressure and excitement <laughs> of being both of those, right? So we have, um, we have definitely been champions of it, of course, and uh, we have shared a- as much of our learnings as we possibly can across other teams. And um, yeah, it's it's something that again, I'm I'm excited about, but it is a lot of pressure too to be like, ooh, we're we're the people that they look at and say, so, oh, I can't wait to see how the Sims solves that, and you're like, yep, me too. <laughs> we'll get there.
0: Absolutely. Um, and and so, what about um, for our listeners? Um, you know, I'm sure they want to learn as well some of these lessons. So, what 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 advice would you give folks? Um, you know, um, who are listening or not part of EA? Uh, what lessons uh, can you give them? Uh, that, that may, may help them being more inclusive in their organizations?
1: Well, I would start with a simple one of definitely don't be afraid to ask. It may feel uncomfortable. I'm sure you're going to feel like you're asking the wrong question of the wrong person, but you have to start and you have to start by being honest and, and own up to that and say, I, I don't know the right way to start this conversation, but I want to learn and I want to I do more. Um, so start by asking those questions and, and demonstrating that it's okay to be a little uncomfortable and a little bit um, awkward as you begin Um, I think the next thing is take a step back from your day-to-day for a minute and think about not just who you might be creating an experience for or a product for, but who might be interested in joining that experience or that product that you aren't thinking about right now. And I don't mean it in a business, different target market kind of way. I mean in the like – hey, you're talking to this big group here, but there might be people on the fringes of that who, if you just changed a little bit of something, would feel so much more included in, in your message, in your in your experience, in in your offering. Um, so like, look for those opportunities to connect with those folks. I think another specific thing is like look around you and see how many voices are really challenging you day to day. And if there aren't enough of them, figure out how to supplement that. Again, doesn't have to be all hires because I get we can't all run out and hire a million people every day. But find ways to do that. There are people out there who want to talk. Might be your community, it might be might be experts you hire, it might be friends internationally. Like you really can find you can find resources in a lot of places that are Absolutely willing to just jump in and have a conversation and help you make a better choice or make a better decision, and that's fun. It's an opportunity to learn and grow and say, "Awesome, let's do better at this. Let's move forward."
0: Yeah, it's interesting, you know, because everything we need is like right in front of us for this, right? It's just a, the a willingness <laughs> to do it. So let's talk about the future. What, what what's next uh, for the franchise um, and and for you?
1: Well, I'm I'm super excited to continue pushing forward on this on the ongoing conversations that we've started to have with our with our players and with our fans. Um, I think there's this really interesting barrier that's been breaking down over the past few years between the makers and the consumers, right? And it's getting to be more of a gray area where they are part of our journey of what we're creating and where we're headed, just as we're creating tools for them to tell new stories um, for The Sims in particular. But I think it's happening in other industries too. And I think that's really exciting because I think it is going to unlock conversations people didn't think of before. I think it's going to unlock opportunities to do really cool collaborations that we've never thought of before. So I'm excited at sort of this future, like Co creation universe um, that is very it, it is very Sims focused because we have amazing creators who are creating content for The Sims all the time and I like am regularly inspired by them and our team is always looking to them um, and I'm excited to see like what that looks like as we continue to push forward in that area but I I, I see it happening in other places too beyond just games um, in products in again in entertainment so I think it'll be really interesting to see where that goes
0: definitely. Um- Anything we didn't cover that you want to uh, say or any, any points that you want to make that we uh, you think our audience might be interested in that we didn't cover so far?
1: I mean, I think, I, maybe I didn't say this overtly, I think it came through, but one of the things that I'm so excited about when we talk about diversity and inclusion is it's not, you know, you said it at the upfront, it's not about ticking boxes, but it's about making better experiences for everyone and and just creating a better place to play, a better place to be, and a just a better mirror of the world in in as many ways as we can. And I I think that's, it's just powerful. And it's just cool (laughs) that that we can do that.
0: (laughs) A better mirror of the world. I like that. (laughs) Well, Lindsay, it's been an absolute pleasure having you um, here and having this conversation with you. I really appreciate it. And um, I hope we get to do it again sometime.
1: Yeah. Thank you so much. So much fun.